And God, we thank you for your time. And we thank you for beautiful music and song that draws us closer to you and gives voice to our greatest hopes. We thank you that there is a time for community and a time for love and a time for peace. So speak to our hearts today and teach us to be peacemakers and love makers and people of strength, getting stronger every day. Help us to speak your word. Help us to speak your spirit and therein to grow into the fullness you're calling us to. We praise you and thank you in your many names in the names of Jesus. Amen. Today's scripture from Ephesians 6 is one of my least favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. In fact, it's right up there with that scripture from Isaiah that talks about people all sitting on a wall and eating trash. I, um, I preached that scripture from Isaiah back in the 80s, and my mentor was there and said that I could go the rest of my preaching career and never preach that scripture again. <laughs> and this particular scripture from Ephesians, I kind of was planning on never preaching it at any point in my career either. It's full of all these military images, as you can see, and it seems to run counter to the gospel. So in almost 30 years, I've not preached it, but this summer, I've been preaching through the book of Ephesians, and it came up, and I felt I would not be faithful if I didn't go ahead and look at it and see what it might hold for us. Now, there was a time when I actually loved this scripture. When I was eight years old, I loved Vacation Bible School, and this was a wonderful scripture for the people planning crafts for Vacation Bible School. And every summer, we looked at this scripture and it would always be the same craft project. We would create our armor of God. We'd put on the full armor. And, of course, we used those 10-gallon ice cream containers. And they would carve out a place for your face. And we'd put that on. And then we'd get those uh, pajamas that have the feet in them and everything. And we would dye them silver and put those on like the full armor of God. And we'd get styrofoam and make styrofoam swords. And then we'd all line up and we'd sing Onward Christian Soldiers. And then we'd start going at each other with the styrofoam swords. <laughs> and of course, we'd break the sword. And over a couple of weeks, the helmets would get messed up and end up in the trash. I did find myself a little bit envious as a Nazarene of the Baptists. Because they didn't use those cardboard ice cream containers. They took Clorox bottles which were sturdier. And they cut the bottom off of those things and made a place for the mask, put them on, and then that little hole in the top of the Clorox bottle, they'd put feathers in that. And I thought that was so festive. <laughs> you know, I thought feathers for the helmet and maybe a boa instead of a sword, you know. <laughs> And, of course, the Methodists, they even had it over both the Nazarenes and the Baptists because the Methodists had a very active women's group. And they would spend an entire year planning the crafts for vacation Bible school. So all the Methodist kids, they got nice knitted helmets. <laughs> it was fun back in those days. But... Um, as I got older, I looked at this scripture and began to realize that of all the scriptures in the Bible, this is the one that has perhaps been more abused than any other scripture. It was a scripture that was used to 
justify violence. It was a scripture that was used to demonize those who were different then. And back in the medieval time, during the bloodiest time in the church's history, good Christians used this scripture as a call to kill countless Muslims and Jews and even Christians of Eastern origin who they felt were not orthodox enough. In more recent times, this particular scripture was used by Christians in Nazi Germany to justify the death of millions of Jews and political outsiders and gay people. So it's a scripture that has been incredibly misused. So oftentimes I look at this scripture and its message about putting on the full armor of God and, and just say, you know, we can just, there's enough other scriptures, we don't have to even look at this one. But this time I thought, let's look deeper. Maybe there is another message here. Maybe what has been misused and abused needs to be reclaimed and reframed. And as I looked at it, it occurred to me that this was actually a scripture that was meant to be a scripture of peace. It was a scripture that was meant to subvert violence. And in fact, if you look at your worship folder today, if you have a magic marker, one of those highlighters, look at the very center of this, and you will see the word that was intended at the heart of this scripture. Verse 15 says, Your desire to tell the good news about peace should be like shoes on your feet. The writer of this scripture was intending the message to be a message of peace in the midst of a violent culture. Traditionally, Paul has been named as the writer of this scripture. And if that's true, then he spent a lot of time looking at armor, Roman armor. He spent a lot of time looking at big, heavy boots that, in fact, at that time had spikes in the bottom of them. He had a time to look at those helmets and those shields and the big, glistening sword. He was one who at one time had been a perpetrator of violence, and now he was a recipient of violence. So the last thing he was doing here was offering a message of violence. What he was saying was take the violence around you and transform it with the Christian message into a message of love and peace. The people of Ephesus were under Roman rule at this time. And in fact, it was the law that you could worship no one but the emperor. And so there was a temple actually built in Ephesus. And those who were purported to be Christians were oftentimes taken from their homes and forced into that temple and forced to bow down to the emperor to prove their allegiance to Rome. It would be like if suddenly a law was created here in Houston that we were required to worship Mayor White. It would be as if someone could come knocking on your door at any time and take you down to City Hall and make you bow down to the mayor. That's the kind of atmosphere they were living in. So that's why these images and this scripture made sense at that time. Paul was saying, you can be stronger than those who threaten you. You can be stronger than those who stand guard over you. You can be stronger than those who seek to haul you away from your families. You can be stronger than those who seek to turn you away from your faith and your values. You can be stronger, but your tools of strength are not the tools that are used against you. Your tools of strength are justice. Your tools of strength are prayer. Your tools of strength are truth. So what he was saying to the people who first heard this scripture was, I know you have a lot to be afraid of, 
but be afraid no more. And in fact, when you find yourself attacked, take it and let it be transformed into strength. And every attack that comes against you is an attack that can make you stronger and draw you to a deeper place. So what this scripture really is about is about all of us becoming strong enough to be love makers and peacemakers in our world. I'd like us to look today at some of the tips he gives us and the strategies the writer gives us to live this strength. There's three things. First is in verse 16 where the scripture writer says, in all circumstances, hold faith up. All circumstances, including the circumstances that you don't choose but that choose you. Secondly, in verse 17, the scripture writer says, carry the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the other way to become strong when challenged. And then third, in verse 18, the scripture writer says, never stop praying, especially for others. You can find more things in there that are about building strength, but I like to look at those three. Another thing to think about here is that when it comes to the challenges that we face, we do have some choices. And many of us have made different choices, choices similar to these. Sometimes when we find ourselves attacked, we attack back. We become aggressive. That's a choice we sometimes make. Other times we run away. I don't want to face this, so I'm not. I've just not answered the phone when the bill collectors call. Others of us make a choice when we're challenged to numb away the challenge, the pain, the fear, through addiction or distraction. Others of us choose to go back to what's safe and known. And I've seen that pattern many times as people begin to engage their faith as a GLBTQIA person. Oftentimes, as they find themselves challenged by their family, the stress becomes too much. And they're getting a taste of what it is to be who they're called to be as created by God. But just to get over the challenge of that, they'll go back to their home church, even though that church does not affirm them as they are. So sometimes that's the choice that people make when faced with challenge. Go back to what's safe and what's known. Wouldn't it be great, though, if we didn't have to make that choice? Wouldn't it be just fantastic if when things came our way, they just sort of bounced off of us? They just didn't phase us? That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you all love to be like Neo in the Matrix? When he faced those challenges, they didn't face him. Now, those around him, they went back. They ran away. But Neo had some very special skills, something like this. I cannot go back. I'll handle them. Handle us. You'll handle us. You know your predecessors have much more respect. Okay, you have some skill. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could sit down at our computer and even before opening the emails, just go. 
And all the bad emails would just be automatically deleted. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Or you're on the phone and you've got this really stressful phone call and the person's yelling at you. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you just went... <laughs> and suddenly they became kind and gentle. Or if you were driving and someone was getting ready to cut you off, if you just went... <laughs> and that lane cleared. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Now, Reverend Janice is working on a sermon called Super Pastor. And sometimes I think people figure that pastors have some kind of special skills. I got a call to the hospital once, and the person said, now be sure to bring your collar. And I thought, okay, here I come. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you know, or wouldn't it be nice if, uh, you know, I could just take off this, uh, this stole here and wrap it around my waist and have a green belt in pastoral ministry. Oh, wah! <laughs> wah! <laughs> just come into my office with your problems. We'll just lay them on the altar and stand back and go, wah! I have to work on a lower pitch voice for that, I think. <laughs> Either that or wear a boa around my waist rather than the... <laughs> but we don't have those kind of powers. In fact, we have greater powers. Because Neo in the Matrix deflected the bullets and rendered them powerless. We know that's not real life. We know that we get hit with stuff and we know it's real stuff and we know it can't be deflected. What this scripture is saying, that we can get hit with that stuff and take it. Because we are strong on the inside. Whatever it is, God in us is greater than the bullet that comes our way. And in fact, many of you have some wonderful stories about how that's been true in your own life and how you have built, built some spiritual skills through time, how you've grown in your spiritual maturity. And many of you have found that strength through addictions and some of your other challenges. And Aileen North, uh, some time ago, you shared a wonderful story that I wanted everyone to hear in your own words and not mine. Good morning. I used to numb myself for many, many years. And through God's grace, uh, next month I'll celebrate 20 years of sobriety. Hallelujah. <laughs> However, that's only the beginning of the story. Three years ago, almost three years to the date, on August the 31st, I received the diagnosis that I had breast cancer. But they said, it's good, it's small, we caught it early. Surgery, little surgery, little radiation, it's looking good. And go in and I had the surgery and went to my doctor afterwards and he says, well, it's not quite as good as we thought and you're going to have to have chemo also. And that devastated me. It absolutely devastated me. I was not prepared for the chemo. I could do the radiation, but not the chemo. And in stunned silence, I thought... This is certainly not the journey I would have chosen, but it is the journey I get to take. So God, let it be to your glory. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how to do it. Just guide me. 
please help me. And it was about that time that uh, one of the things, early in my sobriety, I read a wonderful book, and it's called Hind's Feet on High Places. And in that book, the main character is named Much Afraid. I could very much relate to that. And Much Afraid was walking down a path, and she kept looking over her shoulder in the high places. She was walking away from the high places that she wanted to be. And the Good Shepherd said, this is the direction you have to go. This is your path to make it to the high places. This is your path. So I realized this was the path I was supposed to be on, not happy with it, feeling like I was going in the wrong direction. But it was the path I got to take. Mass choir, it was at Christmas time. Mass choir was singing a song that Christmas by Amy Grant called Breath of Heaven. And there's a prayer in that song that is so powerful that got me to my cellular level. I'm really grateful I wasn't here to sing that because I couldn't get through that song without sobbing. The prayer is, breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me, breath of heaven. Breath of heaven, lighten my darkness. Pour over me your holiness, for you are holy, breath of heaven. And that became my mantra Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times I would sing that song in my head. And 16 months of chemo later, we come through it through God's glory. Uh, I'm not saying that God loves me more than anybody else. I am grateful. Um, I have experienced strength and hope I get to share today. And God, I really don't want to do this journey again. <laughs> but it's doable. And it is through God's grace and God's strength. Thank you. Amen. 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 And thank you, Aileen, for your courage in sharing your story today because uh, you've given life to this scripture. And one of the things you heard her say just now is that she didn't choose parts of her journey. They chose her. And that you've become stronger through that. And that's what Paul is saying here. In all circumstances, hold faith up. That's the first step to becoming stronger, able to take what comes, to being love makers and peacemakers. Then that second point, carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God in this scripture is not referring to the Word of God as scripture. It's referring to the word of God that the spirit gives us to speak God's power to that which tries to take power over us. In Eileen's case, she was given that wonderful song, Breath of Heaven, Hold Me Together. When fear came, she would simply sing that song or say those words. When you're facing a bullet in your life or a challenge in your life or opposition in your life or fear or a circumstance in your life, simply pray, God, give me the word that I need to speak to this situation. If you're facing a cancer diagnosis, the word that God may give you may be healing. And when you see that diagnosis or you hear the bad news, to simply speak to that healing. Or it may be love, it may be peace. God will give you a word for you to make you stronger in those circumstances. The scripture then goes on to talk about the power of prayer. And what I love about this scripture is that it really gives us 
a window into prayer that is prayer as spiritual maturity. So oftentimes when we pray, we come up with a list that we want God to answer, the things we want. You know, a six-year-old was getting ready to do her prayers, and there was a bunch of people in the room, and before she prayed, she said, I'm going into my prayer time. Anybody want anything? And, and sometimes that's how we approach it. But what I love about this scripture is that in verse 18, it says, never stop praying. That's where you find your strength. Never stop praying. But then there's that comma and that line, especially for others. And there's six things the writer offers us about prayer. The writer says, pray by the power of the Spirit. Don't pray on your own resources. Ask for those resources beyond yourself because they're stronger than you and they're stronger than what you'll face. Also in verse 18, the writer says, pray constantly. That's that breath prayer. That's that word that's constantly being prayed in the background. Even as you're talking to other people, there's this other conversation going on. It's a conversation of strength and power. Number three, pray with perseverance. When you don't feel like you have the answer, when God seems distant, keep on praying. And in that prayer, strength will begin to grow and multiply. Number four, pray to know what to say particularly when you're experiencing relational difficulties. Pray about what to say to that situation. That's in verse 19. Also in verse 19, it says, pray to have the courage to say it. Pray to know what to say, then the courage to say it. Sometimes we know exactly what needs to be said. But we're afraid they won't like us if we tell them. <laughs> we're afraid to be honest and truthful. And yet that's what produces growth. Then finally, the sixth thing about prayer is pray for the right time to say it. What to say, the courage to say it, the time to say it. This is mature prayer that becomes a prayer about being lovemakers and peacemakers and strong people in our world. So put on spiritual power today, a power strong enough for all circumstances. A power that gives you that inner word of strength to change your world and the world around you. And then a prayer of strength and maturity and growth. Yes. Truth is, I'm still not sure if I like this scripture that much. But I'm not sure I'll ever preach it again. But it holds for us today this message of strength and this message of peace. So put on the whole strength of God. Be strong from the tip of your toes to the top of your fingers. Be strong in every conversation. Be strong in every moment. Those around you may say that you are worthless. Those around you may say that you're weak. Those around you may say you have no purpose or direction. But today, God speaks to us in this scripture to remind us that we are a people with a purpose true and bold. We are a people worthy of love. We are peacemakers and lovemakers in our world. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your congregation. And Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And even today, Help there to be peacemakers, to rise up in places like Ireland, 
to rise up in places like Rwanda, Iraq, and Afghanistan. May your peacemakers and lovemakers rise up with your word of hope and truth to bring heaven on earth. Amen. Oh. Uh-huh.